1: Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker. I'm the founder and the senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great big, beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building, which is across from Winkies. Everyone knows where Winkies is. We also, especially this time of the year, are happy to say that we can service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you would like to put a voice with a face, go to ellenbecker.com. And also uh, today we have an absolutely fabulous radio show. And if you would like to share that with someone, you can also go to ellenbecker.com. Just scroll down to Money Sense to radio shows and click on it. And my guests will be there and you can easily share it. As I said, it's a really great show today. It's one of one of my very favorite, uh, one of my very favorite people for sure, to be able to interview. And that's Linda and she's the president of the National Christian Foundation right in Milwaukee. And we were actually just having lunch not too long ago talking about all the things that are going on in the world. And one of the things that Linda started to mention was the fact that right now we are going to be in one of the largest transfers of wealth in the history of our country. And it's estimated to be somewhere around 30 to 40 trillion dollars now that's really a lot of money and it's gonna be passed down to the next generation and so we're going to talk a little bit about that today and you know just to give you some insight and i know that linda's really excited about it and i am too and so linda welcome to the radio show
0: thank you karen it's good to be back on the show it's been a couple years
1: I know, you know, Linda at the time has flown by. And I think so many people got, you know, we just got all caught up in all the different things that were happening with the pandemic, for sure. And now we've got all kinds of things, the stock market and interest rates, and people really have sort of lost sight of some of the things that are happening. And it propelled some people into retirement. And yet other people are working longer, I guess, like me, who absolutely love to work. But the truth of it is that there's over 10,000 baby boomers each year for the next 10 years to 15 years retiring. And that's where that mega amount of trillions of dollars is really coming from is really the baby boomers also that are passing on and their parents and passing that wealth down. What do you know about that and what
0: insight can you give my listeners? Well, I just find this topic fascinating and just to kind of set the stage a little bit, I'll say both personally and professionally, I'm really um, at a point in my life where this is front and center and I find it just so intriguing. And, you know, when you talk about this wealth transfer, um, what I'll say just to start off is it's a very interdisciplinary Um, kind of ecosystem conversation and journey that families have. So it involves, you know, the financial advisor like you, Karen, and your firm um, talking to people about both on both ends, you know, those that are worried about running out of money in retirement, but then on the other hand, those that have excess and will never run out, and then how do you transfer that well? So it's kind of a phase that I like to call finishing well. So there's the financial advisor piece. There's the accountant CPA piece on how to do it most tax efficiently. Um, Estate planners get involved in this topic on how to do it um, right through the legal systems. And then there's the role that the church plays or your faith plays into it um, on how to do this well. And lastly, NCF, the role that we play um, is really to work with families on how to structure charitable gifts, both during life and at death, how to do that well, um, to meet both their goals and their objectives.
1: You know, the whole concept of giving while you're alive, is also very fascinating to me. And in many cases, what they're talking about here is the transfer of wealth at death. But I myself, love the whole idea of passing wealth and passing the spirit of philanthropy to your children, to your family, to our community, which is something that, you know, I've worked really hard to do. And so I think today we'll talk about many of the different ways that people can explore and maybe they'll see themselves in some of those um, opportunities that we can talk about. You did mention that the legal system gets involved and, of course, there are wills and a will is a legal document that outlines who will receive a person's assets after they die. People can use a will and put in there the beneficiaries. And often in there, they'll put a beneficiary as being a charity, as being their church, as being a school. And that's also uh, one of the ways of passing um, assets down. A lot of people use a trust. And again, a trust is a legal arrangement where a person, the grantor transfers assets to a trustee who then manages those assets on behalf of the beneficiaries. And those are generally dear create a dairy Life. And in there, they can also name beneficiaries that they would like to use. I also, um, there's life insurance. Um, a person can name heirs or beneficiaries in a life insurance policy. And I find that a lot of times at the later in life, People will often say, particularly if they don't have children or they don't have family, they'll make a charity a beneficiary of their life insurance, which is really a great way of transferring wealth and of course charitable giving um, a person can donate a portion of their estate to charitable organizations, either through will during their lifetime or working with someone like you who can help them set up a a foundation, who can help them determine exactly how they want to transfer their wealth to who and when. And that's something that can be their whole lifetime, which is what I think is, is really a beautiful way of doing it. And then lastly, I want to mention, and we can go into all of these different ones in different ways that if you're over, um, 70 and a half like I happen to be, you have this wonderful opportunity to be able to give during your lifetime to a charity out of your IRA up to $100,000 a year. Which so there's a lot of
0: options for people.
1: And most people don't even know that they exist.
0: And so what I'll say on that is um, every single um, opportunity that you listed, including private foundations, we work with, yes. because sometimes people want to give to more than one organization, um, so they it can come into a donor advised fund with us, or sometimes they don't want to grant it all at the same time. So, for instance, um, with trusts, we have both asset gifts and dollar amounts from a trust that can come into a named donor advised fund and then one of the distinctives is we can work on a succession plan with the family and work on what organizations they want that estate gift to go to and in what time frame sometimes they want children involved other times they don't so um it's a really rewarding fulfilling part of what i do so as we're seeing more and more of this transfer and more and more of these conversations just having the ability to have families really think about it and think about charity as being an important part of their estate and then how to go about getting it to the right charities at the right time.
1: Can you outline what a donor advised fund is Linda?
0: Yeah, certainly. So um, there's probably 2000 donor advised fund platforms in the country. It's the largest charitable tool that's out there. Um, Ours is called the national Christian foundation and it's um, focused on, Christians, But it works like a charitable checking account. And it can be used not only during life, but as I said, at death. And so when you make a deposit into the donor advice fund, you get your tax deduction. While it's there, it can grow and appreciate in value, and then you can grant it out to different charities.
1: You know, Linda, very often we sit down and we work with our clients. And of course, we do taxes in house for our clients. And we can look at how much they might give over a period of five years. And it might be an advantage to give all that money to their donor advice fund in one year, and use it for the next three years so that they can get a deduction on their taxes, particularly if it's been a year where they they have high profitability, they have a lot of things going on. So it's something to really look as a tool to give to the charities you want, but also to take advantage of the tax uh, opportunities.
0: Right. So maximizing tax impact. And, you know, even we talk about high income earners who are getting to a point where they know they're approaching retirement and their income is going to be decreasing. Most families don't max out the charitable deduction that's allowed. We have a very generous charitable deduction which is 60% of your adjusted gross income if it's in cash and so in pre-planning for retirement you may want to max out some of that charitable donation because once you retire and your income decreases you don't have that opportunity.
1: One of the other things that I absolutely love about having your own donor advice fund is it is like a checking account and you can go online and you can so easily set up your gifting to be done on an annual, a monthly, a quarterly basis, a weekly basis for some people that do that. But at the end of the year, you literally just about push a button and it gives you a whole list of all of your gifts that you've made throughout the year. And you can give that to your tax account, which simplifies that whole process and really Does make it easier.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about kind of gifting during life, but if you think about gifting at death too, and you're handing over a tool for your children to be generous. So, let's say that you decide to gift a percentage of your estate. We can work on what the best asset is to do that. And typically it can be an IRA, but a percentage comes in and then work with the children on being generous and um, how they can then use that as a tool after mom and dad are gone to both carry out a legacy, but then to really have that joy of generosity as, as they're impacting organizations and individuals that are served through those organizations.
1: Linda, that's a great segue into our our next segment. Let's take a quick break right now. And then let's talk about what are some of the ways that you could help your children to have that same energy or that same um, desire to give back to their community. So, you know, it, it happens by our example, of course, we do talk about it. But there are some ways that you can do that I've actually used with my kids that have worked really well. And with that, we'll take a break. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Linda Maris and she is the president of the National Christian Foundation and you can reach her at 262-796-9910 or you can go to ncfgiving.com to learn more. You know Linda, I I so get so much joy from giving and I I I guess as a very young person, I didn't have the financial ability to give. And so I worked a lot and I did a lot of volunteering. And as your life goes on, you find that you have more time, more financial resources, and you start to notice things around you. But that never happened to me as a kid. That was something that I, I kind of created on my own. I remember my parents didn't have a lot of money and my parents did volunteer in different things, but it was sort of, you know, giving starts at home for them. <laughs> and, but I've really looked at it a slightly different. And so what I've done for the last four or five years with my children and my grandchildren is at Thanksgiving, I give them each a sum of money And I tell them that they could pick any charity that they want to give it to, but they have to look it up. They have to know about it. And then at Christmas around our Christmas table, everybody goes around and says what charity they're going to pick. And so there's 13 of us and each one of them gets a thousand dollars to give away and they get to pick their charity. And it has been one of the most amazing tools that I can tell you, because in the very beginning, you know, they picked, well, of course, the Humane Society some of the things that they were very familiar with. But what's happened over time, is that they now start to notice all year round. And they look for what's what can they do better. And about two years ago, my grandson, Jaden called me and he said, you know, Nana, I know that we're supposed to give it to one of those 501 somethings. And he said, but At school, he said, we have a giving tree and nobody has picked all the all the little bulbs off with names on it. He said, I think that if I take half of my money, I can buy the whole tree. And he said, would that be okay?" And I said, Jaden, that's perfect, because what I did is I took the money out of my IRA I had turned 70 and a half and I took the money out of there and I needed it to go to a tax deductible organization. And, but it was wonderful for him to think about that. And this year, the kids came up with all kinds of different, amazing charities that I hadn't even heard of. And what I'm trying to do is because a portion of my estate goes into my foundation, I'm trying to help them to understand how important it is For me so that they keep up that giving. And that's really a lot what you were talking about. And parents can do that. If you can explain how that works, that would be great.
0: Yeah, you know, you just said it so well, because it's really about that joy. It's about generosity is something we get to do and the joy that that brings with us. And so for our children and grandchildren to have somebody light that spark. And so number one, it's really a hard issue for them to understand that, you know, it's, it's a privilege to be able to do that. Um, The other, the other one is whatever a family can do for a child to find their passion. So if they don't know where to give, or they don't know what they're interested in, do exploratory things, because it's about finding something that they're excited about, and then to give, Um, you know, they'll get more joy out of it. And then two things. So one thing I was thinking about is you give them the thousand dollars, but what if you say, um, I will match you. Whatever you want to give, I will match what you're going to do. So then that way there's a little bit of their investment into it. So if they say, well, I can only afford $50, then great, you'll give them Two times that, or three times that, or whatever (laughs) you know, whatever it is. But for them to have a little bit in the game, so you know, we do a lot of this through the giving fund. A lot of families either set up giving funds for, or the donor advice funds we call a giving fund for their children. So they want to get them started on using it um, for sure, or do the same thing with um, going using the giving fund to do the granting and showing the kids how easy it really is. But there are there are a number of what we call generosity exercises that any family can do cheaply. Um, this one I really love. We did it with our board um a number of years ago, and we randomly gave board members either a dollar, we see either five dollars, ten dollars, or twenty dollars. And we asked them to do one act of generosity and to come back and report the impact. And it was fascinating how some took it so seriously and they wanted to really duplicate that $10. And so they would make cookies and, you know, get the supplies in bulk and really think through it. And we had one board member who said this was such a good exercise because they, they are family of wealth. And he comes back and he said, I felt so guilty that I didn't know anybody who needed this money. So it made me think that I need to get more involved in organizations that are helping those that have less So even something simple like that um, can go a long way in just having conversation and sharing ideas for sure. You know, I always think about giving and generosity kind of as as a a ripple in a pond because you don't know the impact. So it's like you throw this pebble and you like sometimes the pebbles are little, sometimes the, the pebbles are really big and you don't know what kind of splash it's gonna have, but you release those dollars and then you just see the impact and sometimes it'll come back to you long after you make this gift, um, just what impact you make and what joy it brings. So, you know, who would have known the, just the blessing that came out of the donation and now there's a job and they get to volunteer and, you know, it, it just opens up a lot of, um, I guess, just blessings that you didn't know if you had not done that.
1: Well, and if there are people listening today that are wondering, you know, what charities are out there? We have interviewed almost 500 charities on Milwaukee philanthropic community, and you can go on to ellenbecker.com, scroll down to radio shows, and there's Money Sense, which you're listening to right now, and the Milwaukee philanthropic community, and you can open that up, and all those charities are there. And you can pick one that you like, and you can listen to it, and see if it's something that that might be interesting for you, not only to donate, but one of the things that Linda, you and I talked about when we got together for lunch was the um, TED Talk that I watched. In fact, I sent it to you and it's the four stages of retirement by Dr. Riley Moyes. And he talks about the happiest people in the world that end up in retirement, go through these four stages. The first stage of, oh, I'm free. I don't have to show up at work every day. I don't have any major schedule. You know, I can just do whatever I want. And there's this just joy of retirement. And then the second or third year, and it's like, ooh, there not there more? There's something more than that. And then- once you get into that stage, you're starting to think about crossing over into the third stage. And that's trying different things and find different things that give you that those same feelings that you feel that you feel as though you gave up structure and meeting new people and friends and joy. And for some people, it's power all and kinds meaning of and things.
0: meaning and purpose. You know, yes. that's where you find your passion and your meaning and your purpose in life.
1: And so many people that are the happiest have found it by helping someone else and by looking at charities and getting involved and giving back in some way. And there are so many different ways that people can do it. And I, I really think that, you know, men often have a harder time retiring because so many of their friends are associated with work women also have that, but it seems like women keep more connected because of kids and things like that. And women do a lot of giving. And I know we wanted to talk about women today.
0: You know, that's a really good segue. Um, The national Christian foundation actually did a study on Christian women and generosity. They partnered with the Barna Institute, which is a, you know, pretty large um, organization. And, you know, when you're talking about the great wealth transfer, so to begin with, um, women are going to receive 70% of this wealth transfer, because women outlive men by about five years. And so the face of philanthropy will be changing for two reasons. One, women think about things differently and give differently. And then millennials Um, have different values and give differently as well but specifically on the um, the idea of women you know if you think about um, the initial transfer of wealth is going to go to women and what this um, study showed with the National Christian Foundation is that Christian women are 300 times more generous with financial wealth than the average American and the way that women want to give is collaboratively they want to learn from other women or learn from other groups, gain wisdom and give collaboratively so that it's more of a transformational experience. And that's kind of what we were talking about, um, you know, with your, with your children, finding their passion, finding their meaning and using generosity as an onboard to be able to do that.
1: When you think about the women and they inherit this money, And this is the point where they start and need to think about what am I gonna do with it? You know, where's it gonna go? Who's it gonna go to? And I often say, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I don't have an estate plan. And I'll say, well, you really do. You might not have the one that you put in place, but you've got the one the government's gonna put in place for you. So if you have ideas of what you wanna do with this wealth, then it is really important to sit down with your attorney, to sit down with someone like Linda, who is going to help you to know what your options are, to sit down with someone like me, who can help you to determine when is enough enough and when do you wanna give and how do you wanna give, So, Linda, outline how it works if they were to give you a call. How do you work with a client to help them develop a giving map, so to speak?
0: Yeah, so we have giving strategies that we can work with. And what I'll say is that we don't charge for these services. So we're able to sit down with families. Um, I've been sitting down actually a lot more with widows because we're just kind of in that time. But we don't charge for these services and so really looking at what their goals are where their passions are at what they would like to do and then just having a, a con you know an intentional um, conversation about what they would like to achieve and then give them some options and oftentimes they'll take it back to their estate planner and if um, an estate plan needs to be done or needs to be changed typically the parties already have an estate plan but sometimes it needs to be adjusted um after the, the husband passes and so we just we walk alongside of that individual and then if they are charitable and want to have part of their estate come through NCF we work with them on what that looks like how to set it up and what you know are kids going to be involved or not and then what that succession looks like in the time frame
1: Very often when I'm talking about a client and recommending that they consider the gifting with their estate and consider doing it either through their estate plan with their estate planning attorney with us and with National Christians Foundations. And there are other foundations out there. We work a lot with you because it's simple and it's easy. But often when I bring up the subject, they'll say, oh, that's for Bill Gates. and that's for the Kennedy family. And that's for, you know, the really wealthy people. And I'll say, you know, that isn't it's it's for what you want to do and how you want your estate to to be um, transferred to your beneficiaries. Can you talk a little bit about who who, who could be considering looking at what we consider their own personal um, foundation or transferring wealth to charities and doing it during their entire lifetime? Sometimes people say, I just want to do a one-time deal. But a lot of times people really do like that idea that they can leave a legacy, not only at their death, but they can have their children step in and be the trustees of that legacy.
0: You know, wealth provides a huge opportunity to pass values. Um, so we talk about passing values, not, not only valuables, um, making the distinction, and it's really what is important, where their faith lies, what organizations have they been supporting during their life, and if they want to continue to leave that legacy and to have that impact after death. So Uh, We work with families of all income ranges. Um, We worked with, you know, a family of just very modest means, but their kids had been sufficiently taken care of. They were self-sustaining themselves. And, you know, whatever is left in the estate is going to support those organizations and missionaries that they've been supporting their whole life. So it can be as little as, you know, an average playing gift could be $20,000, $10,000, you know, up to the multi millions, of course, we work with all sizes of families, but it's not necessarily the dollar amount. It's where your heart is, who've you supported during your life, and are they an important part um, of your estate plan where you want that to continue um, and leave that legacy and perhaps use it as a tool um, to pass on that value to your children. For
1: me, passing on my values and that value to my grandchildren and my children has been really important, but I can't tell you what joy it really is to see them so happy giving and knowing that our family is going to continue in that role the rest of our time for their children their grandchildren to have this in place and to be able to talk to the kids about it it opens up the door especially for grandparents you know these kids are so busy they're going all different ways this is one way that we all sit down and we have this conversation to be able to show our clients that they have enough that they're safe is a is a real gift for my part, because you can just see their shoulders go down and they can say, I have enough to give to this organization or to support the Alzheimer's or- organization or to support someone else. But not only a one-time gift, but a lifetime of giving is is just beautiful.
0: It is, it is really a gift that you and other financial advisors um, can give to families um, that Uh, kind of frees them and releases them. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is something that um, was unique with the baby boomer generation, as you talk about kind of unprecedented economic times on how baby boomers acquired wealth was the advent of the 401k and IRAs. And there's, um, you know, studies that try to estimate how much in IRAs will be left over at the end of life. And not everybody's going to spend that IRA, and so that's a perfect tool to use for charity because if an IRA um, at death goes into a donor advised fund or to a charity, nobody's paying tax on those dollars, so it's a perfect tool. So there's no risk for those pay. You know, people are saying, well, what if I run out of money? Well, if you need it all, it's there, but if, you know, you get to the end of life and there's some left, who do you want to bless with that? and what's the most tax-efficient way to do that? So that
1: was exactly what I was talking about with my grandchildren. I take a required minimum distribution every year, and that portion of it I give to my grandchildren to give to charities. I don't pay tax on that, and so for me, I'm still working. I really don't need my required minimum distribution, but they'll get the law says I have to take it, so I give that to charity. Yep, it's perfect because it just makes sense for me. Not everybody is still working at that age and, and bringing in an income, and so many people do need um, all or some of it. But if there is a charity, if you're giving to your church every year and you're giving to different charities, once you turn 70 and a half, give it from your IRA because directly. you don't pay t- go directly, then yes. you don't pay tax on it. and You can take money from somewhere else because you're already taking the money. And people don't realize that they can give from that IRA at that age, and give whatever you're giving now. So I give-
0: have, I have two examples of that. Um, so if you Google and research IRAs into donor advised funds, you cannot do it. NCF has a special tool called um, a designated fund where you can gift up to $100,000 into these designated funds and there's reasons to do that one um, was uh, one of our donors gifted $100,000 into one fund for a particular organization, and then they gave $20,000 a year and spread it out over time
1: from that hundred thousand correct. Yes. Um,
0: And then there, um, what you can also do is then cut it up into different pieces. So if you have $100,000, your advisor can just cut the checks for you have it go directly to your church or your charities, if you want them to receive it right away.
1: So truly, if you are over 70 and a half, it's a fantastic tool to be able to reduce your taxes and give. Which is wonderful. If you're 59 and a half and you take money out of there, you have to pay tax on it. So at that age, it might not be the best place to take the money from. You might want to take it from other monies that you have. And there you can gift it into a foundation. If you sell your business, it's a wonderful way to look at spreading that wealth out. And that's generally where we work with a lot of clients is upon the sale of a business. They're looking at what can I do with this massive amount of money that I've never had before and seems a little bit overwhelming
0: Right. One thing I'll say on the IRAs for parents to think about is if there are um, funds left in the IRA that go to your children after death, they have to take it out in a 10-year time frame and they will pay taxes on it. So if you are charitably inclined, divert that tax and give it directly to charity and then know that whatever you give to your children, um, it cannot be spread out during their entire lifetime. They have to take it in a 10-year time period.
1: And that's a a change in law. Yes, that that happened. It used to be that you could stretch it. So if you have your documents right now that say you can stretch that IRA, you can't. It's a really good time to go to your attorney and just review the documents that you have to make sure that things are set up the way you want them to be. Today is a great radio show. My guest is Linda Maris. She's the president of the National Christian Foundation. Her phone number at there is 262-796-9910. Or you can go to ncfgiving.com. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Linda Morris. She is the president of the National Christian Foundation. And you can go to ncfgiving.com. If you would like to know more about it, you can also give me a call, give one of our advisors a call at the Ellenbecker Investment Group, and we'd be happy to sit down and help you look at where you are. I think the best place to always start is just like you do when you go to the mall, you walk up to the directory and it says you are here. And the best place to start is to look at where you're at and to determine the different pockets of money you have and how they work. You could have annuities, you could have IRAs, you could have your 401ks, you have your own individual accounts, and to kind of look at how does that all work together and how can you efficiently look at passing those dollars down? And, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier that there's 10000 people a year retiring for the next 10 to 15 years. And there is, um, how much did we say, Linda, how many trillions of dollars are passing?
0: Yes. So it's actually 10,000 baby boomers turn 65 every Day. Day. Not every year, every single day. Every day. day. And the reason that they're calling this the great wealth transfer is because there's half of our country's wealth right now is in the baby boomer generation that's generally ages 60 to 75. So if you think about half of that wealth, by and large, will be transferred to millennials in a short period of time. Um, That's pretty significant. And what we're talking about now is close to $80 trillion, $80 trillion. So try to wrap your head around that. Like we can't, you know, a million dollars used to be like something you can't understand. A billion dollars is something you can barely understand. So think about $1 trillion is if you spent a million dollars a day, it would take you, over 2700 years to spend that money and it would predate the the life of you know going back to Jesus right (laughs) so it it really is so much money when you're talking about a million millionaires to make up one trillion it's 80 million millionaires to make up 80 trillion so it's it's beyond what we can comprehend yes Um, And so we were going to talk just a little bit about differences between the baby boomer generation and millennials. And when you start looking at some of um, the discussion, it really is fascinating because starting with the greatest generation, they went through a depression and a war. They didn't have economic opportunity where they're typically building up great wealth. Transfer to the baby boomer generation who post-World War II started to have a lot of children and at that time having, you know, big families it was an economic boom. It was a housing boom where you could really get into real estate very easily and uh, inexpensively. And so there was um, kind of a perfect opportunity in economic times. And then we kind of mentioned, it was kind of the onset of the 401k and the IRA where there's vast wealth now sitting in that tool. When you compare that to the millennial generation, it's, very, it's a very different climate. Real estate is very expensive. It takes a long time to save up for a down payment. And when you look at statistically, only a third of millennials will own their home at the same age as compared to a baby boomer at the same age. So if you're comparing same age baby boomer to same age millennial, only a third of millennials will, will have real estate. And real estate is just a good opportunity to build wealth. And it's taking millennials longer to get a house and longer to pay off debt and to pay off student debt. And so there is um, a big difference in opportunity when you're looking at those two generations. So when you kind of transfer that to then what, you know, what is uh, the great wealth opportunity here or the, the opportunity with millennials is to understand that it is a different time to do some planning, to have those conversations, to prepare millennials for an inheritance. Because statistically, when individuals receive an inheritance, it's like a windfall. And oftentimes, within a short period of time, they will go out and take vacations, buy cars, do things that mom and dad would never have done because of that windfall. And so a big opportunity in that respect
1: Well, I think too, that I look at my kids tease me all the time, because I tell them I live to be 100. And they'll say, well, I'll be 80. (laughs) (laughs) What am I going to do with my money at (laughs) 80? And my grandkids, though, you know, I've got a great granddaughter. So when I look at my own family, and I look at my children who are in their late 40s and early 50s, and I look at my oldest granddaughter's 27. And my great granddaughter is going to be four. And I look at my wealth transfer, and I hope I do live a really long time. My wealth is really going to impact my great-grandchildren and my grandchildren.
0: And look at look at just what you're doing for them during their lives. You know, we've had families come in who say the same thing. Like, our our kids are self-sustaining. Like, they have everything that they want and need. And so let's help others that are, you know, less, you well, know, less if, able. If-
1: It's not even that. I think that for me, it is important to make sure that my children are going to um, have money passed down to them so that they can do things charitable as well with their money and that they have a lifestyle, but they've worked very hard and they are sustainable on their own. I just don't for myself believe that I want to pass huge amounts of money down to my children because I want. My grandchildren and my great grandchildren to feel that same sense of purpose that I had in building and creating my own wealth. I don't want my kids to be silver spoon grandkids and great grandchildren. I want them to have that sense of the joy. I mean, I had to go through a lot to build my company. And it wasn't all great and it wasn't all pretty, but I grew from every one of those things that happened. And I became a stronger and a better and more confident person. And so I think it is important to set that stage and to be able to help other people who are less fortunate in many different ways. Or if you have a family member that you wanna help that's got a health issue, or any of those issues an addiction issue or you know anything that's out there in the world and education right now is number 1 helping you know individuals to have the same opportunity as everyone has to have a good education so and these are things that I developed over time they weren't things that I had when I was 22 or 25 or even 30 years old when I was struggling just to raise a family
0: but you're intentional, and you've thought it through, and you want to do it, uh, do it well, um, and you you want to take um, take some of the barriers away, so that if, like you said, you have grandchildren where they just can't get to a point in their career where they want to be, you can help them by taking some of those barriers away, so that they can be professionally successful. Um, you know, we sat down with our kids to have conversations around the step plan and my husband's an estate planner. And so he would just wanted to get to the brass tacks. And I'm like, no, we have to talk to our kids about some things. And I, <laughs> I asked two questions that um, I thought were, that they they thought were um, they appreciated me asking. One is, is there something in your career right now that you wish you could do that you cannot because of finances? And so two of them are pretty good. One was like, yeah, I would like to do a couple more things, blah, blah, blah. But the other one was um, in the next 10 years, while our knees are still good and we can do things, what do you want to do with mom and dad before we get too old or we have health issues so that we don't miss this opportunity in the next 10 years to do things together? And
1: that's really important. I mean, that's that's a. That's a real joy. I know I try to do things with my kids, but life is so busy, you have to plan it. And I would say we're going to take a quick break now because we're almost out of time. Uh, My guest today is Linda Morris. She is the president of the National Christian Society and Foundation. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Linda Morris. We've been talking about the National Christian Foundation, of course, as one way of you to pass wealth, but also the wealth transfer. And I think it can be overwhelming to people. And one of the places to start, of course, is to figure out where you're at. And Linda, how would you like to wrap up the show today for our listeners?
0: Yeah, I'll just um, kind of circle back and say why I'm so intrigued by this conversation. So it's just a perfect intersection in my own life because I am a baby boomer. Um, Baby boomers are going to be transferring the wealth. I have three millennial children, so I think a lot about how to do that well and, and working through it. It's not perfect. We're still working through it. Um, I am a woman, and women will receive 70% of the transfer, uh, particularly because they outlive men, and then as it transfers to children, uh, I value my faith in being charitable, so I do want to pass on that generosity to my children, so that's important. We talk a lot about that. And then I practiced law for 25 years, combined that with running the foundation here in Wisconsin for 15 years. That experience really puts me at a sweet spot where I can help help families and have those conversations. Um, So the organization that I'm at is called the National Christian Foundation. We're located in Atlanta. We have 30 offices around the country, and I'm the president of the Wisconsin office um, here in Brookfield
1: and if you would like to reach out you can do that at 262-796-9910 or go to ncfgiving.com and there's lots of great information on the website you can also give us a call give me a call at 262-691-3200 if you'd like to know how would this fit into your estate plan how could you give to the extent that you want to give how can you pass um the money onto your children, onto beneficiaries, but also to charitable giving to your church, to your university, whatever is important to you. And Linda, this has just been such a great show. It's just fun. It's always fun to talk about something that I'm so passionate about. And I know that there are so many wonderful organizations and ways of giving. It's really important to sit down and talk to your attorney, talk to your advisor, talk to Linda over at um, National Christian Foundation to find out what are the best strategies for you with the amount of money you have, with the amount you want to give, your tax liabilities. There's just so many wonderful ways. And it's, it's all heartfelt. You know, it's just giving from your heart to do the things that matter most to you.
0: Well, thank you for the opportunity. I think you and I could probably talk for two days. We could fill up a lot of airspace, (laughs) given given our two and a half hour lunch, but uh, (laughs) it's always a fun conversation because I think our hearts are aligned and I really appreciate all you're doing and just the 500 charities that you've been able to interview, like who would have thought when you started that?
1: I know. And it really started with the idea that so many of these small charities don't have the dollars to do marketing. So I saw this as an opportunity to give them to talk about why they started it and what they need and how people can become involved. It's really been a a gift for us at Ellenbecker. It has given us an opportunity to see, and every one of our employees um, also gets $1,000 on their anniversary from our eig foundation to give to a charity of their choice so it's it's just a great way for us to instill our beliefs by walking our talk and thank you again linda and as always i hope that i've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being remember before we plan before we advise before we invest we always listen have a really great day bye